welcome, welcome to another episode of Salvation Solutions. I am Aviance. I am Aramis. And I am Damaris Johnson. So to start off, I know that we have the presidential debate. Yes. So we'll definitely get into that. And then my bro Aramis had a good thing that we want to talk about as well that's affecting our community. So let's go into the presidential debate, debate because I know that you have some thoughts about it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> It was initially, we'd like to say it was better. It was a better uh, exchange than last time. I'm glad they had the mute button and, and you know, they, they would shut folks off. Um, specifically President Trump, because he just go on and on and on and on. It becomes very hard to listen to at times, you know. But I thought there was a little more substance that was um, expressed, uh, a little more thought, you know, went into went into the answers. Um, I, I thought that I thought that we we heard both sides share, you know, as much as they really felt comfortable sharing, you know, what their plans were um, and what their plans weren't specifically for black America. Right. For me, that's what it's about. I mean, I mean, bottom line to it, it's about, it's about what is, what candidate or what party going to do for black America for the next four years. And, you know, uh, only thing Trump says is he done more for, 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 for black folks than Abraham Lincoln. Well, okay. That's like your opinion. <laughs> right, that, like, yeah. and you're entitled to your opinion, but I mean, if I mean, I mean, I mean, what did Abraham Lincoln do? Really, if we want to really talk about it, mm -hmm. like, I mean, you know, we try to say he, you know, he freed the slaves, but really, really, was that really what it was about? Um, you know, so, uh, but you know, in his opinion, he's done more, and he's done some things. You know, granted, he's done some things, but I still don't think it's worthy of Black America's vote. You know, just because you said you did some things before, you know, um, what you're going to do for the next four years. That's really what it's about. And y'all, you know, for me, it's reparations. Like, if, like, like if you ain't talking reparations, then you ain't serious. Mm -hmm. If we're not mm -hmm. talking about being reparating black America, then you're not serious. And so that, that don't come up. I think we talked about it in the last episode that whenever black America or the, you know, what you're going to do for black America, the question comes up is you never get anything concrete or solid about what they're going to do over the next, you know, four years or however, however long they're in office. And, and that's really what's missing. I still didn't hear that in the debate. Like, what are you going to do for black America? Like, what, what are you going to make change? What kind of change are you going to make for black America? What systemic changes are you going to make? And if, again, if you're not, if you're not talking about reparations, I, I don't even think you begin to scratch the surface of how you're going to deal with the poverty issue. That's what it comes down to. Uh, as, as we know, this is, this is, uh, we're promoting the, the, the new book of reparations now. And here's why. One of the things that we get into is, you know, the the seriousness and the injuries that took place, uh, of you know, for 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 slavery and what what you know the uh, Black America is dealing with today, you know, is is very serious and it's a poverty issue. Um, one of the things I go into, I said I wasn't going to do this too, and I'm doing it already. One of the things I went into, <laughs> we go. one of the things I go into um, is we talk about there's a there's a um, there's a parable Jesus used mm -hmm. uh, when you had a and a business owner who went out and um, hired workers. He hired one, you know, at six o'clock and every hour he went out and hired the others. And then at the end of the workday, the people who he hired at the end, he paid a penny, the same amount he paid to the guy he hired in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And they made a very important statement. They were upset with the landowner because he had, he had paid them the same amount, but this is how they said it. He says, they says, he says, you have made them equal to us. Mm. Now, what was the basis of their equality? Economics, what he paid them, mm. their money, right? Until black America is at a level economically 
to where they can compete and they're respected will never be seen as equal mm. to white America. Mm -hmm. That's Bible. That's what it comes down to. Yep. Right. Equality is dependent upon the economics of a society. As long as you can look at me and, and know that you're in a better position than I am, <clears throat> that you're in a more dominant position, then you're going to always look at me as less than. Yep. See, I know this firsthand being, being a professional athlete, I've, I've, I've experienced what, I, what we call, what, what most people call athletic privilege. Just like white folks have their privilege. You know, there's privileges in different sectors in, in society. Well, athletes have their privileges. Like people find out, like, I, I, when I first, like my rookie year in Miami, I marveled. Like I used to go to the restaurant and somebody here you was a, you was a, that I would play for the Dolphins, they'd be like, oh, your food was free. Wait, huh. well, I can afford to pay for it though. Yes, you can. I'm the one I can afford to pay yes, for. Yes, you can. That bothered me for real. I wasn't even saved at the time either, but that bothered me. Like, so then did you pay for someone else's meal since you ain't pay for your own? I didn't do that. I didn't. I sure didn't. I'll be. I wish I would have, but I didn't. Like I said, I wasn't saved at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but no. It, but but that privilege, as long as they saw me, like as long as they see athletes, entertainers, movie stars, you know, you know, whatever, they see you. It's called the concept of exceptionality, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're exceptional, when you do something, as a black person, you have to do something exceptional for them to consider you equal. Right. Right. And so when it comes down to the candidates, back to the candidates now, because that's really what it's about. Equality in our society begins with economics. Mm -hmm. And if you're not talking about establishing a foundation for black America through the, through the infusion of monetary reparations for families, you ain't serious. Mm. That's just how I feel about it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, let's let's go to another thought, Aramis. Yeah, so one one of the one of the thoughts I had and one of the things that I that I had heard on the the most recent debate, they talked about um Obamacare. Right. And one of the things that I know now mind you, I didn't finish the debate. I was extremely tired. I ended yeah. up shutting it off, going to bed. Um but I kind of caught what Biden said when he came up with Biden care. Right. And essentially in so many words, it's Obamacare just packaged differently with a few different twists yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. Right? right. And my take on Obamacare has always been that it is not good for the insurance business because it forces all of the small one, all of the smaller companies to charge or, right. or, you know, have to pay what the larger insurance companies are, are paying and they, they, they just can't afford to do right. that. Right. So right. ultimately that cost goes down to the consumer who ends up having to right. make up for that. Right. right. Um, and then it kind of got me thinking about the, the situation that, uh, you know, most of our community is in right now where we're taking advantage of this, this unemployment. Right. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier to sit at home and take that money and, and, and just claim COVID and whatever. Yeah. And, and, and then at the end of the day, you know, we, we, we aren't thinking about what happens after COVID. So, so my concern is how, how, how much more heightened does our awareness have to be in this type of situation dealing with the fact that once COVID is over, there might not be as many jobs available to us they, that that pay what we should be getting paid. You know, I mean, let's be honest. I, I see a lot of companies now, most of their entry level jobs 
all minorities. Right, mm. right, right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's that's just the reality of it. So you're going to go from making anywhere from seven to $800 a week to maybe three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, until every other company in, in, in the state gets up to $15 an hour, which I think they're supposed to do by what, 2022, mm-hmm. you know, that it's it's still not going to be a living wage then. Right. I mean, right. you you look around you look around town now. There's a lot of you know uh, apartment buildings and condos and stuff like like that going up, and these houses are selling for three four hundred thousand, and the condos yeah. are going for you know two three grand a month. Yeah. Who's going to afford that on thirteen dollars an hour? Right. 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 Well, again, that's why that's why we got to That's why that's why salvation. That's why I, I I point to salvation as a solution. Like to go into everything that. You know, we could go back and forth and, and break down the details of everything from Obamacare to, you know, the stimulus package that's not been given, you know, to bail out businesses and bail out families. And, you know, we can go into those things and, and it's a necessity. The stimulus package, I believe, is, is going to be one of the keys to, uh, you know, solving some of those issues that's going to be on the other side of, you know, this this pandemic. But, you know, ultimately, though, you, you we, we can't as black America. We can't be job dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not against getting a job as a starting point, but it's a starting point. Like that's not where where you. We got to get Black America out of the mindset of a job being the end, or getting a good job being an end. Right. We got to we got we got to become better fiscally in in three aspects: making money, managing money, and multiplying money. One of the things that when it comes to building wealth God's way is you have to master those three aspects of money. Making it, managing and multiplying it. We focus on making it and our focus on making it is getting a job. Dr. Carl Anderson said, we don't need no more jobs. And I agree with 100%. We don't need a job. Like you need, We need to have a mindset to own, own our own business so that we can provide jobs first and foremost to our family and our friends that we are connected to. Right? We don't need that. And even in that aspect, when you, when you provide jobs, you, you, you're not providing that job as a permanent place or position. You know, that's that's something as a starting point for you to begin to build wealth. Eventually, you want to be able to uh, if you have a job, you want to be able to take the money that you're making from that job and either invest it in yourself, either invest it in stock, either invest it in property, whatever you want to invest it in. But just invest it so that you can properly multiply it. So, you know, that to me is the ultimate solution. You know, We're going to have to deal with those issues on the other side. Um, but. You know, I, I just we just don't hear the details from either candidate in these debates exactly how they're going to do it and what they're going to do. You know, and that's the problem. You know, we you know, they want you to get out there and vote. But give me something concrete. Give me something that I can say, you know what, I'm voting for you because you was clear about what you wanted to do in this particular instance. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I was that I, I would say Joe Biden was very clear about. And, and quite frankly, I, I struggled with should I should I be should I feel offended by this statement? Uh, should I be angry about this statement? Um, the only thing he was definite and I'm up clear as you can be. And he was probably his most passionate when he made this statement as it relates to the um, immigrants who come into this country illegally. But yet they're, you know, they're the first responders. He said some of them are first responders. Some of them are on the front lines of this and on the front lines of, of putting out the fires in California. He says he said this. We owe them. That's what he said. We owe them speaking for the in, in context to the work that they've done. Well, guess what, Joe? Guess what, Joe? <laughs> you feel that way. Since you feel like that, Joe. <laughs> since you feel that way. Since yeah. you're that passionate about paying the debts of America, 
There's a there's a trillion. There's probably a 19 trillion dollar debt you need to be talking about mm-hmm. first more than anything, because the, the, the black American and, and, their, and our ancestors, we built this country like we physically like we built it. The the economy, we built it. Right. And we didn't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about paying off debt, let's start with the with the reparations to black America. How about that? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm surprised I haven't heard anybody talk about that in the media. That hasn't come out. And just because I haven't heard no mean people ain't talking about it, but there, I haven't heard people, black America, really coming down on that. I mean, granted, I, I'm not knocking that you owe you owe them. I mean, pay them. I don't have no problem with that. But guess what? First, let's deal with, let's deal with this original debt. Let's deal right. with this, this this thing that that's that's really holding back America from being what it's supposed to be. Let's deal with it. And so that that's really what it comes down to when it comes to the presidential debate. But salvation, salvation is the ultimate solution to dealing with the economic. Um, uh, future of of Black America and and all America. So so you know since you said that I charge you to go meet with Biden if he gets elected. See? Look at that. I was. Oh, yeah. there is oh, that. I don't know how he didn't know this. I did. It just came out. It just came out. So then, what's your real thought behind that laugh? You think you're funny? That's what that thought is. No, the thought. No, the real thought is if I could, I would. But you know, but I know that's probably that's probably if Ice Cube couldn't get with him, I'm gonna get it with him. I mean, they told Ice Cube no. But at the same you know? time, Papa you you feel as if you know you have a certain favor on you. Oh no so, doubt, no doubt about it. You might be up in that White House. Ain't real, no, ain't real, no telling. Real Use some of that <laughs> athletic favor you got. <laughs> and the royal favor and the king. Uh, that's favor, it. It that's it. All of it. No, we we need to do collectively. I think I think what Ice Cube is doing, um, what a lot of other uh, Black Americans are doing, to one raise awareness and two be a um, a social voice, right? A social voice because. You know, politics is is really it's a game that we got to learn how to play. And Ice Cube, because of who he is and his social media impact, his his influence that he has on multiple millions of people, mm-hmm. right? And we're not just talking about his millions. You got to think about people who might be connected to uh, uh, Ice Cube, like maybe a Snoop Dogg yeah. who got twenty million, or 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 Kanye who got another. 30 million or, and then you take count, you take his wife. Now she got a hundred million, like, like they recognize that. So you're talking about a multitude of millions of people that somebody like Ice Cube and these different celebrities can, can have an impact because they know people going to listen to them and people going to follow them. Yeah. So everybody's, I think, I think the more we do it, we, we ended last, last show about talking about one of the roles and responsibilities of the church, of the black church. I'm sorry, of black America. And I said, the key to it is, Unity, we have to unify, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, the Psalm, Psalm one thirty one thirty three says, "How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell to, together in unity." Um, there, there, uh, there is the anointing. Well, the Bible actually says this. I want to read it. I want to read it um, because it's powerful. Watch this. This is good. This is real good. Psalm one thirty three, uh, verse. I think it's the last verse. Psalm one thirty three says. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to draw together in unity is like the person ointment upon the head of that ran down the, the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And it says, and the dew of Hermon as the dew that descends upon the Mount of Zion, Mount of Zion, for the Lord there, it says, and there, right? So it says, there the Lord commanded the blessing and life forevermore, right? So 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 this this is a perfect tie-in to our salvation, right? So when black America comes together. That's the unity, right? 
it's, 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 it's like the anointing. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. The word anointing means it means the uh, propensity to prosper. When God anoints you to do something, I'm anointed to do. That means that means no weapon formed against me will be able to prevent me from accomplishing what God has anointed me to do. Right. So black America is anointed to do a particular thing specifically for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. But we need to unify. Right. When we unify, here's a principle for unity. Whenever there's unity, there's a commanded blessing. And we know what the blessing is designed to do. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh wealthy. Yeah. Right. So we want to talk about black America coming into a place of wealth and power and authority, unity as we unify, as we unify, I heard today, um, there I go again, interrupting my own thoughts, man. I said I was gonna stop doing that. I heard today, uh, Chris Broussard, who's a ESPN analyst and Fox News analyst, I believe he is, uh, he, he actually reached out to Ice Cube and said, man, let's get together. Let's see, when that starts happening, that, a unity starts to form. A unity starts to form, uh, 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 an anointing starts to build, mm. And a blessing is now commanded. Mm. And that commanded blessing will produce wealth for black America. That's why it's important for us to unify. You know, so we talked about what was taking place and what's happening. We just have to continue to declare what we believe, declare what our vision is. And we then partner with other like minded individuals. Again, you don't need all 100 percent of us. We just need like 67 percent. Once we get that, you know, then we off and running. Like we become unstoppable. But the, the commanded blessing, the Lord says, there is, it's when we unify, he says the, the blessing is commanded upon that unity. Mm. And you're going to prosper and you'll come into a place of wealth. So that's why it's important. Salvation, that's why salvation is the solution. That's why when we look at salvation and we see salvation for what it really is, it is the solution to black America's um, um, economic situation. It's the solution to black America's social ills. It's the solution to equality. It's the solution. We just got to be able to get out of our religious mindset mm -hmm. and get into more of a kingdom mindset and follow King Jesus and his governmental policies. And we'll begin to see not just a better society for black America, but a better society for America as a whole. But we got to embrace not religion, mm. <laughs> but salvation for what it really is. And that was Jesus's ultimate goal for coming. That was God's ultimate goal for sending Jesus. And so that salvation will be manifested in a sense and I go into this in the book. Salvation is God's reparative plan for, for all of man. Salvation is a, is a reparative plan. It's a plan to repair the injuries that took place due to man's fall way back in the beginning. Salvation is God's reparative plan for all of man. That's why it's so easy. See, we don't need to hear audible voice. We don't need to hear a, a thunderous clouds and we don't need to hear all that. We just read the Bible. It's right there. Right. Mm -hmm. When it comes to reparating black America, it's natural. It's right there. Like, like when you go to God and say, God, what should we do? Reparate them people. So I think, I think one of the, one of the things that escapes um, people who, who may not understand the difference. Um, could you just talk about maybe the difference between, you know, real believing and real faith walk and religion. Right. So how, how I define that, like religion is man's attempt to do what he think will please God. Is man's attempt. Like I tell my son, go outside, cut the grass. I tell him to cut it this way. 
make sure you know you match up this and you you the lines are straight, blah, blah, blah. Right? Then as he goes to cut the grass, he decides, well, you know what? If I did this, that's gonna make daddy even more happier than if I did it his way. And you decide that you want to try to do it your way to please me. Mm-hmm. That's religion. Man's attempt to fix his own issues in hopes that this will please God. Well, if I do this and I'm not doing this, then that'll please God and he'll be okay with me. No. Oh, I did my good deed for today. Right, I did it. <laughs> right. No, that, that's, that's religion. Yeah. Right? And you got to be able to apply that throughout the entirety of your life. Uh, every scope and aspect of your life can either fall under a religious ideology or a faith ideology. So that's the first aspect where we, we differentiate between a religious-minded person and a faith-minded person. Faith accepts what God has instructed me to do to please him, right? So one of the scriptures we can refer to is this one, Hebrews 11, hmm. uh, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 6. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Hebrews 11, yeah, 6. It says, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God, but he that cometh in him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder. Two things God told us to believe. Two things. That he is, that ref- that's a reference to when Moses uh, when, he, when, when Moses said, who shall, who shall I say sent me? When talking to Israel, he said, tell him I am that I am. Whatever you need me to be, I am. I'm here to serve you. That's the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. And then the second aspect of that is that I'm a remunerator, mm-hmm. right? That God wants to make another wealthy. That actual remunerator was a concept that was used in the conversations of kings. They called it king making. They called it king making. Part of king making was to make a king wealthy, right? So whenever an heir an heir of a king was born, all the other kings from around the country or that region would bring gifts to make that heir wealthy. Mm. Hence, the three wise men that came to Jesus, Mm. right? They recognized him as a king and part of being a remunerator is to be a king maker. You can't, you wouldn't recognize as a king. It's no such thing as a broke king, right? Mm. So, so, So kings are designed to move in wealth. So when God says two things, he says, you must believe. So, Anything outside of believing that God is here to serve me and that he wants to make me wealthy is not living up to the righteousness that God has called us to. That would be religion. But faith says, Lord, thank you that you're here to serve me. And thank you that you want to make me wealthy. And so the difference would, would, would lie in, in, in there, you know, and, and it's, it, it can be great gray areas in there at times. But, you know, uh, religion is based off of a works mentality. Well, faith is based off of love. Faith, which work is by love. Mm-hmm. So it's about an intimacy and about a love relationship that God wants to have with his children. And that's salvation. That's, that's why salvation, it always, it, all, it always comes back to salvation being the solution. We just got to make it, make it um, as practical as God has made it mm-hmm. and not as religious as man has made it. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And the the thought of faith, too, because when it comes to salvation, there is an aspect of faith that you have to have with that. Right. No doubt about it. However, in this time of life, there's a lot of people who are not uh, walking in faith, but walking in dependency, which is something that you spoke of earlier. So yeah. since we're talking about de- dependency, why don't we go into the deeds of poverty pro- of what some people may be going through right now? Man, that, that, that's a great segue, uh, Avi. So, so Lord showed me some time ago out of in first Samuel, the second chapter, uh, first chapter, first Samuel, the 22nd chapter, the second verse, David was coming into being his king and upon David's brethren and his uh, friends from his hometown hearing 
that David had been chased into the cave at Dulem, um, they went to go join themselves to him. And the Bible says they that went and joined themselves to David, there's about 400 of them, they were, they were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discontented, right? Those are all symptoms of poverty. After that, I start meditating on that. The Lord showed me some other things about poverty, right? This is why he hates poverty, just in case we haven't declared it. Salvation is God's mechanism for war against poverty. Salvation is God's mechanism to go to war with poverty. Wealth creation, health maintenance, deliverance, protection, and holiness. Those are the five wells that Isaiah was speaking of, of salvation. It says, with joy do we draw water from the wells of salvation in Isaiah 55. But Jesus declared war on poverty. God declared war on poverty when he sent Jesus. Jesus declared war on poverty when he declared in John 10, 10, why he came. The five D's of poverty deal with being in debt, being discontented, being in distress. The other ones, and I'm not going to mention all of them, it's like nine of them, but the, the two that are important, especially for black America, is, is defenseless and des dependent, right? Desperate is another one of them, but these two. See, poverty leaves you defenseless mm -hmm. and, des and dependent. And the reason that's important is because that's what the rich that rule prey on the dependent and the defenseless, right? I'm going to pay you minimum wage. Why? Because ain't nothing you can do about it. Because <laughs> you need this job. Mm -hmm. If you don't, somebody else in your situation do. Yep. Right? So people, are people take advantage of the dependent. That's why the mandate on the church is Psalm 82. And we're going to talk about that too. Psalm 82, where, where, where God says he's standing he in, in the congregation of the mighty. He's standing amongst the gods. And he asked them a question. How long will you, will you be, uh, respect the person of the wicked and not properly deal with them? Then he, gives, he gives, them three, gives the church three things to do. Defend, deliver, and rid the poor and needy out of the hand of the wicked. To rid them out of the hand of the wicked speaks of the systemic mechanisms they put in place to keep you in poverty. Mm. But he says how the church is mandated, it's Psalm 82, the mandate upon the church is to defend and to deliver and to rid the poor out of the hand of those who are taking advantage of their dependency, those who are taking advantage of them being, being destitute and being in debt, those who are taking advantage of them being uh, behind. The church's role and responsibility is to, is to deal with that and deal with it fiercely. Again, what people would classify more than black America. Mm -hmm. So the church should be defending black America with all of its might. I got me a new song, Avi. You heard me playing before we started, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's called, it's called Trenches. <laughs> and one of the lyrics in the song is when the, 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 the singer was singing about when he was going through his situation, he said, love came from heaven. And he said, and love fought for me. Hmm. Like, you can't tell me you love me and you won't fight for me. Mm -hmm. I agree. You can't tell me you love me. Church, you can't tell black America you love them and you fight for the unborn more than you fight for them. You can't tell, we can't tell them we love them. We can't, we can't tell black America we love, the, we love them and we won't even fight for them. Mm -hmm. We won't go against the, we won't go against the policies and the, and the systemic structures that's in place to keep us in poverty, to keep us, to keep us defenseless and dependent and distressed. We won't, we won't, we, we won't fight. So that's when we go to evangelize, we're fruitless. You know, some of them may, they, 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 you know, they prayed a little prayer just to get his own, get his own out the door. 
Mm-hmm. We think we done done something. <laughs> no, you can't. T- we can't tell Black America we love them because we ain't fought for them. We ain't went to war for them. But then you gonna come try to preach the gospel to me? Mm. Get on the body. Right. right. That's the mindset. Get on the body. I don't want to hear that. I agree. Until you've proved to me you care about me economically, you don't care about me. Because a feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry. Mm-hmm. But, but money. money. <laughs> but money. All things. Yep. But my, money gives me the ability to, to, to say, to respond. Money gives me the ability to defend myself. It gives me the ability to not be dependent upon you. It brings me out of debt. It brings me out of stress. It, it, brings me, it brings me to a place where I can, I can execute and do some things that God has called me to do. If you ain't willing to fight for me economically, then you don't really love me. But does the church have it economically? The church, yes, the church has it economically. Okay. So if we look at, if we look at the church as a whole, white church, black church, now, uh, the black church isn't as wealthy as the white church, obviously, well, but they have the resources. Like, they have the resources. If they don't, they get people in the pews, they get the resources. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm thinking church, I'm not thinking organization. I'm thinking organism. Okay. Right. There's a difference. There's mm-hmm. an organism. That's the life. That's the vibrancy of the church. Then there's the organization. That's Baptist, mm-hmm. Catholic, right. Presbyterian, you know, you know, you know, whatever your church organization is. <laughs> I'm like, cool, that wrote. But but that, that's that's the difference. The organism, the organism has it. See, the organism is what gets things done. The organization is just for show. You know, that's just really. I mean, I mean, the organization is just as just as racist and crooked as the world is. I mean, mm-hmm. to be quite frank with you. So the, the organism has the resources. If at the very least we get the prayer mic, we can pray our way into this thing. We can pray black America out of their poverty. We can pray them out. As we pray, we hear God to give us strategies. We execute those strategies. Black America comes out. The first strategy, reparation. Now question, how do you... Go on, keep on, keep on. <laughs> so how do you respond to, to someone who may have been tithing and giving their offering for a long time, right? So then when you talk about the the organism is the answer to, you know, that that economic push, what about for someone's like, hey, I've been giving my tithes and offering for over 20 years now. That organization needs to be giving that money to the people <laughs> no, who need it instead of out of my that, pocket. No, that is one of the things <laughs> we, we need to do. Like the organism needs to say, hey, listen, organization of the church, what have we done as an organization? What have we done? And if they, if we see that the organization that we've been we've been giving to hasn't done anything to the degree that we're talking about doing, then that's when we got to come together and say, hey, listen, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Right. Let's talk about what are we doing? Listen, the focus, the focus, the focus of the, the ministry of the church is the poor and the needy. It's poor is reconciliation. And then once you true reconciliation doesn't take place without, I shouldn't say true, I can't say true, but I'll say like this, divine, godly reconciliation doesn't take place without reparations. That's just the, that's just built into the construct. It's built into the nature of it. So I think, and just kind of going to, to what you're talking about, about the, the, the mindset of someone who's been tithing for a while, it, it kind of it kind of brings about a lot of these questions that I hear from people all the time. And and I actually had somebody ask me this last week um, when, when I said to them that our relationship with God is not, it's not just a relationship. It's a business exchange. Oh Oh, you got it. You got it. Right. And, and, and she said, she said, well, that's arrogant. 
I said, no, no, no. Why, why, why is that arrogant? And, but, but oh, this yeah. is see, this is part of the this is part of the issue here. It's it's the the mindset of which we've been taught to see God. Yep. Mm. Yep. You right. know, and, right. and you go you go to you go to church and you give tithe and you got the twenty dollar lines and you got all all this <laughs> stuff that that kind of you know gets you all riled up and excited <sighs> and then you go home and you you you're disconnected. You have no clue what you're doing. Right. You feel mm. like you need to go back to church. That was not the original intent. Not at all. Now, we, we, we've separated the, the primary aspects of salvation from the church, and that is wealth and health. Mm-hmm. That has always been the emphasis with God and his people. It's always been that. So when you talk to a young lady like that and you say, man, we in, I'm in a business relationship with God, right? She, she gets very religious on you. Yeah. That's what it is. That's religion. Yeah. Because you're not religion is whenever, whenever I um, don't, except God started on a particular thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And I come up with my way that I want to see God, that's religion. And to be quite honest with you, she's the one that's being arrogant. Well, so, she's, a, she's a new believer. She didn't know. And, and this, oh, this, is, this is kind of, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her, her arrogance is due to her ignorance. Mm-hmm. Right. You can say it right. like that. Right. But it's still arrogance because true humility is to accept what God says mm-hmm. over what I think. That's true humility before God, Right. True pride and arrogance is when I exalt what I think over what God says mm-hmm. and what God's heart is about and what God is emphasizing. God is emphasizing, and he's always emphasized, the wealth and health of his people. That is the responsibility of a king. So mm-hmm. it goes all the way back to the foundation. If we first got to see Jesus as a king, right? we see him as a, as a king whose focus is on his citizens' wealth and health. Mm-hmm. That was first. Their protection, their wholeness. That was first. And if I had to deliver him, then I'll deliver him. If I got to go fight for him, I'll go fight for him. Right now, black America needs to be fighting, right? That's why Jesus came, and we referred to this earlier. He says, I'm come that you may have life and, life and have life more abundantly. Yeah. Right. He, that was his declaration of war on poverty. And what's beautiful about that, that word life, there's the word for zoe. It's a fourfold word. It means to love first and foremost. God wants a loving relationship with us. He wants, he, I mean, I call it a love affair. It's a love affair for the ages. Yeah. I mean, he loves me. That's why I love my new song. That's what it's a, love, it's a love song. No, it's a I love know. song. I'm telling you, I, I, can't, I wish I could think, what's this brother's name? I wish I'm going to tell you all because I'm going to get his brother some pub because this song here, <laughs> man, this thing, I ain't. I can't stop playing it. Yeah, yeah, you know I, I know. Do. You know it's, how I do. It's going to be a while before it stops. <laughs> I know. This brother's name is um, <laughs> Tremaine something. Tremaine, oh, I'm a Turin, Turan, T A U R E N Wells. To Ron Wells, and it's called it's called Trenches. I'm talking about it's a love song. That's what it is. God wants to, He wants a love affair. He wants love affair between between him and his family. That's what it is. A father and his family. He wants to be. He wants a love relationship with his children. And what that love affair will do, it'll cause you to to become to express the image that you've been created in, and that is to be creative. Your creative juices flows when love is in operation, when love and compassion is moving. Now you become creative. Now, now your creativity is at its height. Once you now become creative, now you're functioning in your entrepreneurial base. By, by, by creation, we're all entrepreneurial by nature because God is entrepreneurial. And now we become, we become creative and now our creative juices begin to flow. Then after that, now you produce the thing you've created. There's a difference between production and creation. You produce, you formulate, you bring together the things you created. You now produce it. Now, then the fourth aspect of, of that word Zoe is, is you serve by selling. I know that sounds different. 
right? Well, because the, the the religious mind of serving is volunteerism, right? Mm -hmm. right? Right. But that's not that's not what that word serve means at all, right? There's a scripture, uh, Proverbs eleven twenty six. Let's read it. I want you to read it because it's in there. You read some of the stuff. People think you you making stuff up, uh, but it's 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 Proverbs eleven twenty six. It says this. Watch this. It says, he that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing, what is the blessing designed to do? Make you wealthy. Shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Mm. So what you have here is somebody who's in possession of a commodity, of a good, of a service. Mm -hmm. and, and instead of making it accessible to the people, he withholds it. And what the people say? Curse, that's wrong for you to do that. I'm willing to buy it from you. Mm. <laughs> I'm willing to buy it from you. Sell me that what you have to make my life easier. Mm. That's Zoe. That's Zoe. That's business. That's entrepreneur. That's, that's, that's businessman. That's businesswoman. Mm -hmm. That's marketing. That's sales. So salvation is about business. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, well, why was you looking for me everywhere else but in my father's house? <laughs> Didn't you know I must be about my, my father's, father's business? business. <laughs> Salvation is God's business. The answer to the young lady you was talking to, mm. salvation is God's business. Mm. It's a business transaction. Mm. Jesus for the world. That's the transaction. Mm. What the devil didn't know, God was going to raise him up. <laughs> it wasn't fair in the first place. It wasn't fair. <laughs> what he didn't know is he going to raise him up anyway. Okay, you can have him, take him. Because I'm going to raise him back up anyway. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to give him the power to raise himself back up. Mm. Right? He raised himself up. But it was a business transaction. Mm. I want my family back. And I'm willing to give you my firstborn son for him. Man, tell me that ain't love. Mm -hmm. That's love. <laughs> That's love. <laughs> That's what it is. Right now, God's saying, I love black America. I want them out of poverty. Mm. I want them out of poverty. Reparate them. Or else. Mm. We're going to have to deal with it. You got to deal with it. That's what James said. I want to tell you what James said. I ain't to say me. That's what James said. James said, you got to deal with the Lord's support. When you don't pay folks the way you're supposed to pay them, you got to deal with the Lord's support, the Lord of war. Mm. See, that's what salvation is. It's God's, it's God's exchange or mechanism for reparating man for what he lost way back in the beginning. It's natural. So it's interesting because it... Back to your point when you were speaking of, you know, this season that everybody's in where they're kind of dependent on their unemployment and it comes a time where that's going to have to go mm -hmm. and we're going to go back to some sense of normalcy, right? So that means that we have a harvest of people yeah. that needs to know oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. salvation is the solution right. before we normalize. <laughs> right. well, well, no, you're exactly right. I mean, you're exactly right. The the. The, pre the presentation of salvation has to be in a, in a, in a form that people can readily receive. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to hear this religious stuff we've been giving them. Right. Black America ain't trying to hear this stuff. Mm -hmm. Man, get me out of poverty. Right. right. Get me. We talked about last time. Jesus, the first people he was focused on was telling folks, listen, poor man, I'm going to tell you how to come out of there. Right. The spirit of those upon me. The spirit of those specifically upon me. And I'm anointed. To bring you out of poverty. The church is anointed to bring black America out of poverty. But and, we haven't done it. And to take it one step further than that, too, one, one thing uh, that 
came into a conversation I was having. Um, my oldest uh, is thinking about going to welding school. Mm-hmm. And there's a welding school on the east side of Buffalo that is is very prominent. It, it's it's the number one school in the area, right? And um, one of the gentlemen that I work with, he uh, he's in charge of helping um, you know helping people get education and and, and uh, vocational training and all that stuff. And what what he said about the school is that even though it's in the heart of the east side, most of the people attending the school are white. Uh, wow. It's in, it's in the heart of the East side right. and the people that come out of the school get some of the best welding, best paying welding jobs out there. Right. But there's mostly white people taking these classes. Right. right. And, and so is unfortunate as unfortunate as that is, I think that also kind of speaks to a mindset that, that uh, the community has that I believe they should have, which is, to be an entrepreneur first. Right. right? And, you know, to kind of, I guess, compound upon your point before where, you know, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be entrepreneurial minded. The, the thought process that I'm seeing now is don't tell me how to get a job. Right. Tell me how to be rich. Right. 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 Tell me what I need to do to multiply some money. Tell me how I can take $5 and make 5 million. Mm. Right. Right. And, And, that's the thought process that we should have, yep. but that's not what's being no, they spoken you, about. They don't right. want you to know that. Right. And, and that's the problem. You know that. No, they, they want you to stay where you are so you, can, so you can stay dependent upon them. They want black America not to be owners so we can take out $1.6 trillion that we spend every year on their businesses. Mm-hmm. Yep. They want that. But if black America comes into a place where we begin to have a mindset to own our own and we begin to let our dollar turn over, you know, 15, 16 times as the Jewish dollar does, then we'll build ourselves up. Right. Salvation is, is, is designed to cause you to become self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Salvation is designed to enable you to uh, sustain yourself without being dependent upon anybody. And so we have to see it as such. And it's like you said, the the unfortunate um, aspect of that scenario is that right in the heart of the black community is an opportunity to develop a skill that you can now go and trade yeah. for dollars. Right. God never intended for us to trade our time for money. He intended you to trade your skill for money, right? That's the difference. Yeah. That's why he said, redeem the time. How do you redeem the time? It's only one way to buy back your time. That word redeem means to buy back, right? You have to be able to put yourself in a position to where you're not dependent on clocking in at somebody else's job. But as I multiply, as I build my revenue streams, as I build my, my, um, my financial, my fiscal uh, aspects of my life, now I, I can buy back my time. Instead of putting that 40 hours a weekend over there, I can now buy back my time so I can go spend it with my family because I got the money to do it and I got the time to do it, right? So the, the whole system is out of whack, but salvation is designed to come and establish order. The, there's one word that, that describes the kingdom of God more than any, it's the word order. Hmm. God sent Jesus to establish a kingdom that would establish order order in the midst of chaos, Mm -hmm. right? So we have to establish order. The church should be establishing order in every sector of society, on every mountain within that makes up the construct of our society. The church should be establishing order, right? That's what we're designed to do. And the first first, um, object of order or the first scenario of order that needs to be established is order amongst the poor. And man, we we got a financial literacy, Gift set discovery, entrepreneurial skill development, marketing and sales skills development, 
all those things, that's, that's how you become wealthy, mm-hmm. right? Investment strategies, learn, like what we do with our men's group. We just, I mean, we just learning just basic, basic financial terms. Like we learn and find, you know, we got to become more financial literate. That's why we put together We Value Black Life so that we want to, our focus is financial literacy, right? It's economic independency. It's teaching the black America how to take what they have, the, whatever little that might be, and multiply it. And multiply, and that—that's the focus. Salvation was designed, and it's designed to be that and do that within a construct of people, so that everybody's elevated out of poverty. God has a hatred for poverty. He's watched Black America be in poverty too long, and he's ready to do something about it. And we go into the book. I know we haven't even mentioned the book in a while, but we go—we go into the book. That's what the book brings out. What's God's heart for Black America? The heart of God for Black America, and and what the will of God is for the church. Again, we go back to Psalm 82. Dive in the church, dissect it, because that is the mandate upon the church. Our focus, white church, black church, should be focused on putting together mechanisms and systems to repair the injuries of the 400 years of, of oppression that black America has been subject to. How do we fix it? Because church, you're just as, I use the word, I've been using the word complicit. I'm going to change that right now because the church hasn't just been complicit. We've been advocates for it. Oof. No, we've actually, we've actually fought like, 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 like men, like I'll give you, I'll tell you one minute. Um, uh, one of the uh, most influential men in the early 19th century was a man by the name of Schofield. He wrote Bibles. They're called Schofield Bible fought with the Confederates. What's significant about Schofield, his Bible is taught in more seminaries all over the world than any other Bible. And he had a lot of, he had a lot of things in his Bible, or he omitted things in his Bible, or he included things in his Bible that was of a white supremacist mindset. Right? So we've been a part of, like, like Charles Finney, we, we'd be familiar with him uh, in the Buffalo, local in Buffalo. <laughs> Charles Finney, um, even though he was, they called him an abolitionist, but to a degree, right? Because he still didn't feel like, you know, black folks was equal to white folks, mm-hmm. right? So the church has been, you know, very, has been advocates, I'll say, in the oppression and suppression of black America. Some of them might have been against slave, they might have been abolitionists, but at the same time, they still didn't feel like they had, they should get the same rights as, as everybody else should get, mm-hmm. you know? So... There's been some complicity later on, but early 1800s, 1900s, man, it was like, come on, man, it was for it. You know, so we have to understand that as we research and we go through our, through our church history. I, I mentioned last week about um, uh, Jamar Tis, Tisby. I went back and, and, and looked at it again last week. I'm talking about, man, I mean, the brother, the brother was assignment was straight from heaven. Because it's just bringing the truth to the light. And, and what it does, and it's not to shame the church, not to make the church look bad, but it's to say, church, we missed it. Mm-hmm. We got an opportunity to get it right. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, I know the church. I know the church. I believe in the church. I know what God has called the church to do. We had an opportunity to get it right. Let's fight. Let's fight for black America. God loves black America. Church loves black America. But we got to fight for them. We can't say we love them and not fight for them. And the fight begins with closing the wealth gap. The fight begins with removing the restrictions to help to build the wealth in, in black America. The fight begins 
were demanding that our U.S. government, oh, we don't need no apology. I was reading the H.R. 40 bill um, this past week, and you know, one of the things is they want a, we want a public apology. Okay, okay, if that's what you want, fine. <laughs> I want them dollars. Right, I don't want the words. <laughs> Give me the money. Because that apology, you can say, you can say you're sorry all you want. Mm-hmm. But that's not godly sorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we, we, you know, let, let's get to the point. Let's fight for black America to, to give a, to be given a, to be given a portion of the wealth that was accumulated via the resources of this landmass here in North America, because that was the, that was the intent of God was for everybody who came here to take advantage of all the resources upon that was within this landmass so that everybody can eat. Mm-hmm. Right. But that didn't happen. There was a maldistribution of all that wealth. Right. It's now it's time for black America to be redistributed what we should have been distributed from the very beginning. But then specifically after the emancipation was signed, you should have gave us something. Right. They tried to do it. Republicans tried to do it. Contrary to what black folks think now, black folks back in the 1865, I believe it was between 1865 to 1873, it's like eight or 10 years. They called it the Reconstruction Era where black folks was 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 involved in Congress, like 200 black um, congressmen elected to the Republican Party, though. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then you had black ownership. We had land. We had businesses. But then that Reconstruction period was short lived because, you know, um, you know, President Johnson, I believe it was, shut that down and. You know, everything went back to that's when you got your Jim Crow era came in there, your black codes came in there, your, you know, your your prison labor and all that stuff, all that stuff came in there. So we 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 have we have a chance to get it right, is what we're getting at. Mm-hmm. The church has a chance to get it right. Well, I'm excited to see how you're gonna package salvation solutions into this, into this um I don't know, but in in into this thing where it's is honing in on how to Bring hope back to people that you are created for a purpose and that right. you are created because a lot of people don't even think that they're creative. Right. So that you are creative and that you can produce so that you can have this entrepreneurial right. mindset. Amen. So I hope that that's something. Oh, no, no, coming, down no, 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 that's coming. That, that is that salvation salute. So we have we have something we call building wealth God's way. Right. That is another one of our brands that we're using to to share with people. We have a portal right now uh, that we're about to start uh, marketing that will give people access to the wealth. I'm talking about the wealth of knowledge and revelation that pertains to their salvation and how God has specific plans for how to build wealth. You know, there's three areas that we focus on the spiritual wealth, there's soulless wealth and there's, there's financial wealth, right? Those three areas. How does God want me to, you know, spiritually, do you understand how wealthy you are spiritually? We start from, from Romans, the eighth chapter. I mean, I'm sorry, Romans, the first chapter. No, Ephesians, the first chapter, uh, where it talks about the wealth of the believer. Right. And then you talk about beloved above all things. I want you to prosper in health as your soul, the, the prosperity of the soul, the will, the mind, the emotions, and then learning your gift set. That is the physical part of your gift set. Everybody's been given a gift. Right. Mm-hmm. Part of part of God's reparative plan for man was when Jesus, they said, when, when he went into the earth and when he went down to the middle part of the earth, the Bible says he led captivity captive. In other words, man was held captive. Man was literally the Bible says the man was a slave to sin. We were slaves to sin. The, the bottom line to the idea of slavery is, is to eliminate your free will. I don't, I'm not giving you the, the, the right or the ability to choose whether or not you want to serve me. Right? Right. That's what sin does. Sin captivates you and it forces you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Right? That's the power of sin. Well, Jesus said we were actually, the Bible says we were actually slaves to sin. Well, part of being reparated 
was distributing or giving back the gifts that you lost control of. He says, when he led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men, right? So men have been given gifts. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, he's speaking of the, the power of your gifting. He says, um, uh, the manifestation of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit has been given unto all men that he might profit. First Corinthians, the 12th chapter, seven verse. That word profit, that means to make money. That's what it means. Like, I mean, like, they take the religion out of it. Right. Like, we feel, oh, use your gifting to minister to Brother Aramis so that, oh, man, listen, I'm going to make money with my gift. That's what the word of God says, right? Yeah. So part of the reparative plan of salvation was to reinstill or to, or to um, deposit, again, the gifts that man was given in order to create wealth with, right? So we have a building with God's way portal that deals with all of that, right? So we're going to be marketing that pretty soon. Uh, that will give you an opportunity to go inside a portal and we have different tabs that you can click on and you just have access to a video vault, a library of revelation knowledge, right? Jesus was a master marketer going to that. Jesus, he, he knew how to mark. He was the best marketer you would ever know. He was a businessman. But as long as we see him as a religious man, we won't, we won't catch the spirit of the master marketer, mm. right? He was a master. He marketed himself. He marketed his salvation. He marketed what he did to a, I mean, I mean, to a to a place to where it would it would it would draw crowds of of of, of uh, multitudes. The Bible says, but he knew how to market. We just got to recognize him as a businessman. Then we see his marketing strategies. Now I can apply that to my business. So we give him all that in in uh, in the building with God's way, uh, Beto Ball, which will be coming soon. So salvation, which is the solution, we've packaged it in a way the way it, it affects you spiritually, it affects you soulishly, and it affects your economics. I'm good because I, that, I, that's good because I know that you're big on systems. Oh, uh, yeah. No, about, no, no what I say last week. If you're not putting systems in place, you ain't serious about helping nobody. You ain't serious. Yeah. You're not serious, you know, so. That's good. Aramis, yeah. anything else? I'm full. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. No, I, I, I mean, I love, I love, you know, what we've been doing. And uh, just to find a few things on the book, I just got the uh, typesetting from the, um, from the book uh, printer. Today, this morning, actually. And uh, so we're looking to uh, have the book printed, uh, have some printed forms next week. Uh, we have our initial marketing phase that we're going to go through. So um, you know, we're looking by the end of the month to be able to have them available for people to purchase, for people to get uh, and spread the word. Because I really believe this book is one of many that is going to be a catalyst in the reestablishing of black America as the nation that God has intended for us to be. And then on top of that, it'll be a book because of the response of our U S government to reparate black America. It'll enable black, it'll enable all of America to be what God intended for it to be. And all of the things that we deal with from the unemployment to the, to the social unrest, all that stuff will be eliminated. All that will be eliminated because we're now under that divine anointing and that commanded blessing upon our country. That's what we've got to get. But we got to be willing to take down from our religiosity. We got to be willing to take down from our racist views. We got to be willing to take down from our supremacist views. We got to be willing to take down from all those things and embrace what we, what we declare of our country. Every president, every mayor, every congressman, after they give their speech of whatever magnitude, they always say, may God bless America. Yep. Well, if you want that blessing upon America, you got to put yourself in position to receive that blessing. Mm -hmm. And right now, 
the thing that God wants America to deal with is what they've done to black America. Mm -hmm. Amen. And we out. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode. Have a lovely day. <laughs>